So the two biggest stories in wrestling today is CM Punk being fired by Tony Khan, AEW, and Edge rumored to be joining AEW in the not-too-distant future. So let's go ahead and tackle CM Punk's firing first, which is undoubtedly the biggest story in wrestling and has been for the past couple of weeks now. Um, I'm, I'm just going to say it right off the bat. I mean, Tony Khan made the right decision. This was a no-brainer. This guy was nothing but problems, man. Nothing but problems. And, you know, the, the sad thing about it is this guy is a cult figure for people like myself and many others. He was like an idol, man. He was uh, the voice of the voiceless, so to speak. You know, it's a gimmick that carried on and uh, became a, a, a whole another meaning to it. You know, standing up to your boss, standing up for what's right. You know, after the podcast he did with Colt Cabana and everything. And he came to AEW with so much fanfare behind it. His debut on Rampage, the first dance in 2021. That was peak AEW, by the way. That whole year was just peak AEW. All Out 2021, to this day, in my opinion, is the best show AEW's ever put on. And quite possibly the best wrestling show i've ever seen to be quite honest it's one of the all-time best yes even better than all in which i'll get to later on but cm punk man he uh you know he came on board with so much fanfare you know the crowd dive the crying cm punk fan which i i, I would love to hear what he has to say about all this <laughs> crying cm punk fan and, you know, there was so much hope and promise for Punk and AEW as a unit, you know. Um, and, and all of the amazing matches we could have gotten. And we did get some good ones. But we never got to see Punk versus Kenny Omega. Which is the main one. I know there's others. I'm trying to think right now, but... Man, um, there was just problems after problems, man. I mean, with, with Punk and AEW, I, I don't know. It all stems from Colt Cabana, ironically. It all stems from him because, you know, rumors started circulating online that CM Punk is the reason that Colt Cabana was, like, demoted and put off TV from AEW, um, which, which Punk you know, felt the need to come out and defend that and say, you know, the Bucks are spreading rumors or something. You know, somebody in the company was and still is, you know, like feeding the dirt sheets lots of information, okay? And I don't know who. That's the thing. I don't know who. Everybody is assuming it's the Young Bucks, it's the Elite, because of the fact that they're good friends with Dave Meltzer, who's... You know, he's he's the number one dirt sheet guy. He's the and, and has been for for decades. You know, that's what makes him number one. He's the oldest. And the fact that CM Punk is giving the dirt sheets relevancy and thus giving them power by even responding to them makes me sick to my stomach. Because that's that that's what shows, you know, Punk's lack of maturity, dog. Like, just ignore what they're saying about you. You don't have to be reactive all the time. You don't have to respond to everything and react to everything. You know, it's like, dude, you know, you have to... You have to be an adult. Put on your grown man pants and, and just remember that, you know... Talking about people behind their backs and stuff, which he assumes people were doing to him and perhaps they were. It's like, you got to ignore it. You know, it's like me, bro. I, I have coworkers that um, I'm not going to say I don't like them, but I don't trust them, you know, because they have a different vibe. Whenever I come around and, and I'm around them, they have a whole different vibe with me. 
Um, you know what I mean? They look at me sideways, and, and I don't know why. They're coworkers that I don't really talk to very much. Um, I mean, I, I'm respectful. I say hi. I say good morning to them. And, and well, anyway, anyway, the point is, <laughs> the point is, I know I have coworkers that probably don't like me, okay? Um, and And guess what? I don't care. You know, whatever they say about me is none of my business. That's their business. That's something they have to deal with because they're the ones thinking about me. I'm not thinking about them. You see what I'm saying? That's that's something that's an issue that they have that they have to deal with. That's how I look at that. You know, and that's how you that's how you avoid problems too. You know, cuz if if I I mean, you know, like in junior high, I, yeah, I, I would be, you know, confronting everybody like, "Hey man, why the fuck you looking at me sideways all the time? Every time I come through, what's your problem? You got something to say to me? You got a fucking problem or what?" You know, that's that's how I was in, in fucking high school, you know, junior high. And, and and punk is acting like that now. You know, like that's that's high school shit, man. And that's what got him fired is fucking high school shit. I mean, the, the, come on. The report said that he went up to Jungle Boy and said, oh, you know, I can beat your ass, right? <laughs> I don't even know. There's several there's several different sides of the story of what happened between him and Jungle Boy. But let's 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 get back to the whole picture here with CM Punk, man. Um, his firing was the right decision by Tony Khan, and and I'm trying to explain why. Because again, it's just it's just been problem after problem after problem with this guy. You know, when you're somebody who's constantly having issues everywhere you go, that at some point you have to realize that you are the fucking problem. You know what I mean? You have to swallow your pride, your ego, and realize, you know what? I think I'm the fucking problem here. You know, because everywhere I go, I'm having issues. Um, you know, and and that's that's something he has to come to terms with. Because he, he's, I mean, not only problems, I mean, he's burning bridges. I mean, you have rumors that he's going to go back to WWE, bro. No, he's not. There is literally no reason... For Punk to go to... No, no, let me rephrase that. Let me rephrase that. There is no reason whatsoever for WWE to bring CM Punk on board and put him on TV. There's no reason at all. There is... Uh, CM Punk's draw power has been hit considerably since, you know, over these last two years. Um, you know, I mean, you, you see the ratings on Collision. Granted, Collision is a, is a show on Saturday. That's a tough sell either way. You could have John Cena on Collision. It, it, it's going to be a tough sell on a Saturday because people are doing shit on Saturdays. I mean, I, I work Saturdays. And even still, sometimes I like to get off work and I'll, I'll go to the beach or something, you know, since I'm off on Sundays. But... You know, granted, Collision is a tough sell, but, I mean, CM Punk, uh, Adam Page, uh, excuse me, Adam Cole and MJF were on Collision. The ratings a a ended up surging, and then and then the following week when they were off the show and Punk was on the show, the ratings had dropped considerably. So, again, I mean, you can we can debate CM Punk's drawing power, but the point is, even, let's just say CM Punk is still a draw. Let's just say he is, right? He's still not going to bring nothing to WWE that they don't already got from Roman Reigns, John Cena, who's apparently back for like the next couple of months. You know, the whole bloodline thing, Brock Lesnar, Seth Rollins, Cody, you know, like Punk is not going to bring anything that WWE doesn't already have in abundance when it comes to star power, when it comes to drawing power. The only reason, the only reason WWE would bring in CM Punk is just to hurt AEW. Just to hurt Tony Khan. That's the only reason. And, and you know what? I could see them doing something like that because they are petty. They are very petty. You know that, But that's the only reason in the entire world. That WWE would bring CM. As a matter of fact, I'm going to say right now. I don't think CM Punk is going back to WWE. I don't think so. You know what I mean? But 
if he does go to WWE, if we end up seeing CM Punk at the at the Royal Rumble and in the, coming in January, the reason he's there is specifically just to hurt AEW. That's it. Because besides that, just to be petty. Besides that, there's no other reason, dog, for WWE to bring CM Punk on board. There is no other reason. CM Punk can't even work, bro. This dude is getting injured all the time. Dude broke his foot trying to do a crowd dive in LA. I was there. I was there live for that for that incident, man. When CM Punk tried to do a crowd dive, Kia Forum, Los Angeles, and Inglewood. You know what I mean? CM Punk broke his fucking foot, and he still wrestled the match with FTR. I, I think I believe against the acclaimed. I want to say. I was there live in the audience for that, and I had no idea he broke his foot. The dude, you know, I, I forgot what he did, tore his pec, or I don't, <laughs> I don't know what he did in his match with, uh, what was it, John Moxley, you know, the, the, the same event where MJF made his return. I mean, and, you know, John Moxley's promo, fragile mind, fragile ego, fragile body. To CM Punk. And I had said this months ago. All the pundits are remembering it now. I had said this months ago. That that promo. Truer words have never been spoken. As a matter of fact. I'm going to try to clip that. I'm going to try to clip that for this episode. If I could find it. But. Yeah man. I, you know that's the only reason CM Punk would go back to WWE. Is just so they could rub it in Tony Khan's face. Just to hurt them. You know. And, that, and that'll be fucked up if they do that. That'll be fucked up. I don't want to see CM Punk back in WWE. What's he going to do? What's he going to do? Have a match with Cody. Have a match with Roman. Do they even want to work with this man? I know Seth Rollins doesn't. Bro, Seth Rollins would beat the brakes off of CM Punk, too. Seth Rollins is a good athlete, bro. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. It's it's going to be interesting. I'll say that. It's going to be interesting. But um, yeah, Tony Khan made the right decision to fire CM Punk. Bottom line, you know, it was it was getting out of hand. I think Tony Khan, you know, when with his little statement he made ahead of collision, um, you know, and I think ahead of Dynamite, either the, I, I don't remember exactly when, but after All In, right? Uh, the following show after All In, CM, uh, CM, <laughs> CM Punk, Tony Khan made a pre-taped speech about why he let Punk go. And he said he feared for his life and this and that. I think, I think that was unnecessary to go that deep into it, you know? And, and that's, that's, again, that's... Uh, you know, that just shows Tony Khan's rookie leadership skills. Like, he's he's not cut out for this. You know, because uh, any other businessman would have just, you know, would have just flat out been like, Hey, um, ladies and gentlemen, um, I'd like to apologize at the, top of the, at the top of the hour here to let you know be that, you know, CM Punk has been terminated be, due to unreconcilable differences. And we wish him well in his future and whatever he decides to pursue. But he, uh, um, uh, he's not compatible with this show. Moving forward, we're going to enter into a new era. We're going to do things differently. And I don't know. I don't know. Something like that. You know, instead, Tony Khan, he, <laughs> he went into a spiel. Oh, uh, I, I felt threatened for my life. I, I, I've been... I'm going to wrestling shows for 30 years and I've been producing them for four years and I never felt my safety compromised like that. And like, come on, bro. Come on, dude. You don't you don't got to tell the people all that shit, man. Just keep it to yourself, man. Just just, you know, the people are here. I know it's Chicago. You, you know, you don't want to lose Chicago. It's a major market, but you don't you don't got to do all that. You know, if you build it, the people will come. You see what I'm saying? It's, you know, CM Punk was a huge deal. But even even fans in Chicago have moved on from CM Punk. And, and long before this incident, too. I remember, see, to me, this all goes back to All Out in 2022, man. You know, the whole Brawl Out thing. I, I remember, um, 
during the media scrum meltdown that CM Punk was having, I remember uh, one of the pundits asked, "Hey, uh, Tony Khan, are you concerned that you know CM Punk's reception in Chicago was kind of mild, and MJF actually got a big reception in Chicago, you know, and he's supposed to be the bad guy?" Dude, pay attention to CM Punk's face and how he looks at Tony Khan when that question was asked. You know, and, and I have reason to believe that CM Punk was trying to one-up MJF during the media scrum meltdown he had. Um, because this was, I mean, this was, a, you know, a little, quite a while after. But do you guys remember... When MJF cut that crazy promo in LA, I was there live. Again, that's the same episode of Dynamite I was there live for. But it's being called MJF's Pipe Bomb, where he called Tony Khan a fucking mark and this and that. I, you know, maybe call me a conspiracy theorist, or maybe I'm, you know, I'm reading too much into things, looking too much into it, but I really feel like CM Punk. Uh, in his media scrum meltdown, was trying to one-up MJF for his little pipe bomb promo in L.A. Because I also distinctly remember after the media scrum meltdown, there was reports. I mean, there was, oh, my God. I mean, CM Punk, there's a CM Punk story. A million different people are going to report it and say different things. But I remember reading several reports that said that CM Punk didn't think much of it. That he was working, you know, like it was like a shoot, like a work shoot type of deal. And he was just working. Um, and, and, you know, that doesn't seem far fetched to me at all. Because, again, I have a I have a little inkling inside, man, where I feel like Punk was trying to one up MJF for his pipe bomb in L.A. By doing that meltdown media scrum and saying all that stuff. And, you know, and then, of course, the consequential jabs he took on hangman you know calling him out even though you know that wasn't in the in the script or anything hangman wasn't even there and you know different things like that i feel like in a lot of ways cm punk was trying to um like compete with mjf so to speak you know what i mean and and again go back to that media scrum meltdown and look at cm punk's face and the way he looks at Tony Khan whenever that reporter or a quote-unquote journalist asks, hey, uh, how do you feel about CM Punk getting kind of booed in Chicago and MJF getting that big reception? And CM Punk looks salty as hell, bro. Salty. It's, um, you know, something that I, I've... It's something that I noticed immediately, but I never... I don't think I ever actually talked about it at length. But anyway, um, yeah, man, it is what it is. I hope CM Punk finds peace. I hope he, you know, finds more uh, emotional maturity. You know what I'm saying? Maturity because he needs it. Um, you know, that's something that a lot of people need to work. I myself need to work on that. You know, better emotional maturity, emotional intelligence, um, you know, and situational awareness. There's a place. There's a time to act to act out and voice your your grievances and stuff and you know there's also places and times when you shouldn't do stuff like like that that media scrum thing i mean a lot of people eric bischoff said he would have fired cm punk that same day from the media scrum not even never mind the fight that happened consequently but just after that scrum you know and I kind of agree. I kind of agree because when you allow somebody to talk out like that and bury you in front of everybody, I mean, dude, CM Punk buried uh, Tony Khan at that scrum inadvertently, like not even putting effort to do so. And, you know, Tony Khan just sat there like a little bitch and said nothing while, while CM Punk was running his mouth. And that sets a really bad precedent and, and make, you know, sends a bad message to the boys in the locker room, to your employees. And, you know, so you could make a case that CM Punk could have been fired right there just for the scrum. Never mind the brawl out and, and all that other shit, you know. Um, and so I kind of already answered this, but do I think CM Punk goes to WWE? No, I don't. And if he does, again... 
it is just for the sole purpose of trolling AEW, of hurting AEW. And, and WWE is petty like that. I could see that happening. Um, it remains to be seen. Now, Edge, Adam Copeland, Edge, coming to AEW. Where are these rumors coming from? Like, seriously, you know, it's, it boggles my mind every time I hear it. Like, what? Can, can somebody explain to me in the comment section, if you're listening to this through, you, through YouTube, um, comment down below um, why is, is there rumors that Edge is going to go to AEW? Like, where is this coming from? Like, I'm trying to understand it because it makes no damn sense to me. I know some of the pundits are like, oh, well, you know, Christian is in AEW. And I, and I think Edge would, would love to retire with his best friend, Christian. Like, come on, bro. It is not that deep. His best friend. No, my, come on, bro. It is not that deep. I don't know why people think Edge is going to go to AEW. I don't think so. Um, you know, who who is Edge going to work in AEW? Orange Cassidy? <laughs> who is Edge going to work in AEW, bro? I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, I mean, they could build some interesting stuff with him and MJF, perhaps. But, I mean, I, I, don't, I, I don't care to see Edge in AEW, if I'm being honest. And I do like Edge, but it, it's not Edge. It's AEW. I just don't think, you know, his, he has a good legacy in WWE. Don't tarnish that. Don't tarnish that by going to AEW. And I say that as an AEW fan. I'm not trying to diss AEW when I say it like that. What I mean is I just, I don't see Edge uh, having anybody to really work with in AEW. What's he got to prove? You know, Edge doesn't got to do anything, bro. What's he going to go to AEW for exactly? Because the whole narrative, the whole notion that he wants to go there to retire with Christian, because that's his best friend, that's that's retarded. I'm sorry, <laughs> that's some that's some, you know, soap opera, Fruit Loop, you know, uh, Mark ass. I, I don't know. That's some dumb shit. I, I don't see that happening. I know he's good friends with FTR as well. And don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. Excuse me. If Edge goes to AEW. Like, he shows up randomly. Like, bro, I'm going to mark out. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie. I'll mark out. But I, I, don't, I personally don't, don't want him to go to AEW. I don't think he should because he's done enough in his illustrious career. The dude was forced to retire due to a, a serious injury um, that could have paralyzed him perhaps. And, you know, he came back through his own volition, through hard work and dedication. He managed to come back and get cleared by doctors. Um, and AEW tried to get him once. And he almost went to AEW. I actually have an episode on that as well. What could have been one of the biggest what-ifs in wrestling history if Edge had went to AEW before returning to WWE in 2019 at the Rumble. Um, apparently AEW was close to getting Edge to sign with them, but then he spoke with Vince McMahon, head honcho, of course, of WWE. And of course they're like, well, shit, if you're cleared to come back to the ring, we'll, we'll throw a bigger contract at you. And that's another thing. Sorry, I had thought I had my phone on mute. That's another problem too is, is, you know, a lot of wrestlers in WWE, a lot of performers, they... They use AEW as leverage. I'm going to tell you right now. I remember several years ago, like in, in AEW's inception, like in the first year of that company, or maybe it might have even been during the pandemic era. Um, I'm not sure, but there was rumors that Randy Orton was, was threatening to jump ship and go to AEW. Um, like he even tweeted something. I, I don't remember. I'm not. There's no way I'll remember. But he tweeted something like kind of teasing that, hey, maybe the grass is greener on the other side type of deal. Um, and, and of course, as it turns out, he re-signed with WWE and got like triple the the number of, of salary on his contract. Like he got a, a crazy pay raise. You know what I mean? He worked out a better deal for himself. Kevin Owens as well. Kevin Owens is another guy who used AEW as leverage as well. I remember, um, and I had talked about this in earlier episodes as well. This was I'm pretty sure this one was during the pandemic era. 
um, possibly in 2021. Uh, but Kevin Owens had tweeted the coordinates to Mount Rushmore, I want to say, or something like that. And that used to be the name of a faction with him in the Bucks back in the day, Mount Rushmore. Something along those lines. I could be wrong. Something like that, as far as the name of the faction goes. But he did do that. And he was also teasing, once again, like Randy Orton did. He was teasing on Twitter and whatnot that perhaps the grass could be greener on the other side, etc. That type of deal. And what happened? He got an even bigger deal on his contract because of that. You know, because this was early in AEW's uh, beginnings. Like, this was when WWE were really kind of taking them seriously in the beginning. So they started to... I, I, I remember this like yesterday. They were gobbling up indie wrestlers like, like Pac-Man, gobbling up pallets and, you know, their existing roster. They were signing, they were renewing their deals like crazy and giving them big-sized contracts. Um, <clears throat> and then, of course, here we are years later. Now that they see what AEW is, now they're not doing all that no more. <laughs> now they're not, you know, trying to sign everybody and their mom to a contract and and whatnot and and it's not because you know they don't take aew seriously i don't mean it like that but it's just that they see that aew is is very different and it's targeting kind of in a way a different audience than the audience that wwe targets and it's true because if you look at aew's tv ratings and and you know the stuff that they've done besides the show in the uk which highest paid attendance of all time 80 80 plus thousand people besides that you know it, it, they consistently just draw the same amount of people every week on their TV shows and at their live events. Although I have heard that Collision is struggling. I mean, it was struggling already with Punk there. And now with Punk gone, I, it's going to be an uphill battle. Um, but the point is, yeah, AEW, they pretty much target a very specific audience. Whereas WWE, they're they're trying to get as many casuals as they can you know, um, not hardcore wrestling fans, so to speak, but, you know, just like your, you know, the, the average uh, Tom, Dick, and Harry little Timmy watching, <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, so, so yeah, that's, that's that, and, and I think this could be the similar deal with Edge. Perhaps he could be using AEW uh, as leverage as well, Um because he did say that there is an offer for him on the table. He ha he has a contract on the table, but he's thinking about, you know, what what to do exactly. He's not he's not 100% sure. And again, I could be wrong, but I'm thinking that this could be him trying to leverage, you know what I'm saying, and get him an even bigger deal. You know, cuz I mean, I listen, man. I I don't think Edge needs the money per se. But the dude does have kids, and he has been out of the business for for seven long years, like like almost as, as the same length of time that CM Punk was away from the business before CM Punk debuted on AEW Rampage, you know, two years ago. And um, fuck, man, the the difference a couple years can make, huh? But um, but yeah, man. So put yourself in Edge and and Adam Copeland's shoes, you know, um. He's like, well, fuck, if, if this, this mark over here, this billion-dollar mark named Tony Khan, if he's going to throw me a couple bags, you know, for, a, for like, maybe one more year, two more years tops, shit, I'm going to get that bag before I, I go back home to my kids, man, and, and put them through college. You know what I'm saying? So, hey, that's commendable. I don't, I don't blame him for that. And, and quite frankly, I don't blame the other uh talents who who also used AEW as leverage man guys like Randy Orton and Kevin Owens um Brock Lesnar used to do it all the time with UFC you know what I mean Brock Lesnar's contract was coming up oh you know um I, I think I want to fight again in the UFC what happened Vince McMahon Psh, give him another give him a bigger contract you know what I mean they gave him a bigger contract and then work less days too you know what I mean? Wrestle, wrestle just 10 matches in one year for like fucking $10 million. It's crazy. So let's go ahead and switch gears now. Um, I'm going to go ahead and talk about All In. But before I do so, I do want to say one last thing about the CM Punk situation. Obviously, news also came out that uh, 
that Ace Steel was let go by the company as well following CM Punk's exit stage left. And I think that's pretty inconsequential to the fans, quite frankly. But on the part of CM Punk, I, I just I just want to say one last thing about it. You know, everybody, you know, all the nerds and the AEW subreddit, they're, uh, you know, talking about Ding Dong, the witch is dead, like that type of deal, you know, and saying, oh, the dark cloud is away now for AEW and this and that and just, you know, just shitting all over CM Punk and and, and being nerds, you know, acting like little nerds. And um, I just want to say one thing. Um, I think CM Punk needs help. You know what I mean? I, I really do. I think CM Punk needs help, man. And I'm not trying to excuse him for the drama that he did cause in AEW. You know, I mean, the media scrum thing by itself. I mean, I, I criticized that. I was one of, you know, I, I reacted to that whole thing. It, it was crazy. Around that time, I was I was living in and out of hotels when that was going down. And I still, I'm like, shit, in this hotel with this crappy Wi-Fi, I have got to produce an episode because this is crazy shit. <laughs> but, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, um. CM Punk needs help, guys. I really believe that. I think he needs help. Like, he needs uh, therapy. He needs something. Um, I know Kevin Nash said that on his podcast, Click This. I, I didn't get it from him, though. I've been thinking that, honestly. Like, he has emotional problems. I mean, we all... Everybody's been saying he like he wears his heart on his sleeve and stuff. But I, I think it goes deeper than that. Um, and I think, I think Punk needs help, you know. And I, I really wish people would stop, you know... Um, just getting out of hand talking a lot of shit you know like on the subreddit on the AEW subreddit and stuff and youtube comments and you know like this he's a human being too man you know and we all make mistakes and we all talk out of pocket every so often and and do things that we'll regret and um you know you can call punk an egomaniac and and you know this and that and narcissist perhaps he is those things perhaps but you know perhaps he also needs help which is what I think he needs help. Um, so I just I just wanted to get that out the way, man. Because you know when he you know a story broke out that he got into it with William Regal too, and then that's when it hit me. I'm like, okay, yeah, man, something's definitely wrong. Like this cat, <laughs> come on, bro, who has beef with William Regal? That's just wild. That's just wild to me. But anyway, let's go ahead and get into AEW All In that popped off like last month now, three weeks ago. Um, great show. I had a 70% accuracy on my predictions. Um, of course, we had Better Than You, Baby, defeating Ozzy Open for the Ring of Honor Tag Team Championships, which everybody predicted. Um, and this was pretty much them correcting, uh, not putting the AEW Tag Team straps on Better Than You, Baby, which they should have done. And I still stand by that. I think they should have done that. Uh, but it is what it is. They're the Ring of Honor champs now. Already had a successful title defense at All Out, which popped off a week later from All In. And uh, CM Punk opened the show, defeating Samoa Joe. And of course, um, it, it was reported that, you know, the whole uh, encounter with him and Jack Perry, Jungle Boy, popped off like right before this match happened. Because, you know, Jungle Boy... Um, being petty, you know, knocking on the glass and saying, oh, this is real glass, cry me a river. Because obviously we know reports had surfaced uh, in the weeks prior leading up to the event that uh, Jungle Boy Jack Perry wanted to use real glass in an angle on collision. And CM Punk had to talk to him and said, hey, kid, we don't do that here. We don't use real glass. And so you can use fake glass, you know, candy glass. Um, you know, ain't nobody going to tell the difference, but you can't use real glass. We don't do that here on collision. And, of course, that uh, upset it. You know, Jungle Boy is fucking dumb, bro. He's an immature-ass little prick, bro. I'm sorry. I, I just got to say, <clears throat> why why you want to mutilate yourself with real glass? That's some stupid-ass shit, dude. Like, that, that's actually the one scenario where I actually agree with CM Punk, honestly. Because um, who wouldn't? Like, they, like, this kid wants to mutilate himself using real glass, you know, and, and then when he gets to use it on the big pay-per-view, you know, he's going to say, oh, this is real glass, and knocks on it. Cry me a river. And the way he said it, like a little snot-nosed, spoiled brat, little prick. Come on, man. Like, that, that shit was, was uh, 
really off-putting, you know, like, that was so immature, dude, really immature, but anyway, um, so yeah, Punk got into it with Jack Perry right ahead of this match, it was a good match, and, um, you know, he gets the victory over Samoa Joe for the real world's championship, which, uh, <laughs> I'm pretty sure that belt doesn't exist anymore, um, well, it does exist, but it's around the waist of MJF, because MJF is the real world champ in AEW. Um, the Elite, uh, Omega, uh, Adam Page, and Kota Ibushi, uh, I should say the Golden Lovers, um, with Adam Page, they were defeated by uh, Konosuke Takeshita and the BCC. And this is a prediction that I got wrong, but it's a match I didn't really care about. Um, FTR defeated the Young Bucks. This was a surprise. Um, this was a surprise. Even though I did pick FTR to win, but it was a pick that I made in spite of my brain telling me that Young Bucks are going to win while my heart was telling me FTR should and will win. It was one of those type of deals. Um, I was surprised that FTR won because obviously, as we know, leading up to this event, you know, Cash Wheeler had a little run-in with law enforcement uh, over a road rage incident. I had discussed that in the previous episode. And um, yeah, this was a surprising win, man. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm proud of the Young Bucks for swallowing their egos and their pride and putting over FTR. And, uh, you know, we got to see FTR and Young Bucks work. It would have been really nice to see CM Punk and Kenny Omega work, man. I'm just throwing that out there. Um, Eddie Kingston and his team defeat the BCC. So um, this is another. This was multi-man match mania, guys. So many multi-man matches on this card. I know I already said the BCC already had a match. I guess I was wrong. I don't even remember multiple cats. This felt like a glorified house show, like the WWE blood money shows that they do in Saudi Arabia, that type of deal. That's what All In felt like, to be honest, with all of these multi-man matches that didn't really mean anything. But it, <clears throat> it was nice to see Eddie Kingston on a big stage like that. That was a, definitely a highlight uh, moment for this event for me. Tony Storm um, was in a four-way. I, I predicted her to win the four-way. It turned out to be uh, Soraya, the new AEW Women's Champ. It's a prediction I got wrong. Um, but it, again, this was another prediction where my mind was telling me Soraya was going to win it because Tony Khan wants to be a mark and let her have a big glory you know, in her hometown. Um, but my heart was telling me that Tony Storm should win it because she's having a great run right now. She has a fantastic look. She's got like a Marilyn Monroe type of gimmick right now. But she's throwing her shoes at everybody. <laughs> and uh, I'm loving it. I'm loving Tony Storm right now. <clears throat> her character. It is. And it's been a long time. It's been like since, since, since Jade Cargill left. And now she's back. But Jade Cargill was the last female performer that really captivated me and made me excited uh for the division and now tony storm is doing that so big ups man um but she lost this match and soraya won it but guess what Soraya's an afterthought because right now everybody is into tony storm and what she's doing right now with this character development which i think is fantastic steaming sting and darby allen they win their multi-man match um good moment for sting and of course good moment for the for the Brits that got to see Sting, uh, probably one of the last major matches of his career, and most likely will be his last major match of his career, because I don't think AEW is going to fill another stadium like that again. And yes, I know they're coming back to All In next year, same time next year, and uh, I'll, I'll be surprised if they could if they could put eighty thousand butts in them seats again. I will be surprised. I'm gonna be honest. I hope they do. I hope they do. I'm just saying I'll be surprised. Will Ospreay defeated Le Champion, greatest of all time, Jared Goat, and this was the right call. I made this prediction as well, and uh, well-deserved, man. Um, Ospreay, he's a generational talent. This guy, he's like AJ Styles and Shawn Michaels rolled up in a one, kind of. Um, he doesn't sell like Shawn Michaels did. Shawn Michaels was an overseller. He was like, in my opinion, honestly, guys, Shawn Michaels kind of overrated to me. 
Because that dude would just sell. Like, his his over-the-top selling would take me out of the matches. You know what I mean? It was too much. But nonetheless, um, yeah, Osprey point is he's a one-of-a-kind talent right now. Doing it big. Doing it big. And, and expected to be a part of AEW on the full-time sooner rather than later. And I cannot wait for that. Bring him on collision, daddy. That's going to be great. The acclaimed... And Badass Billy Gunn are the new trios tag champs as they defeated House of Black. I believe <laughs> the acclaimed and Billy Gunn are now going by the House of Ass. <laughs> That's tremendous. That's tremendous. Um, this is a prediction I got wrong, but I again, again, this was another prediction where my mind was telling me that Tony Khan's going to be a mark and he wants the acclaimed and daddy ass to scissor in the stadium. So he can get that moment out and, you know, get, enjoy that big pop. But my heart was telling me, dude, House of Black should retain. Because these dudes should all be booked very strong, man. You know, House of Black, to me, they should be booked like like a six-man version of... A, or, I mean, a three a trio version, let's say. A trio version of Legion of Doom. You know what I mean? Like, they, they should be the Road Warriors. They should be Legion of Doom even though they're a three-man team, but they should be booked strong like those cats. Like, they should be like an, uh, like wrecking balls. Like, nobody could beat them. But AEW, they don't, they don't know how to book, man. They don't know. I don't know. But, yeah, it, what it, it is what it is. They got new title belts, custom titles, and they're scissoring with them now. And, you know, it's, it's, it's more hee-haw, ha-ha stuff. And, um, you know, I mean, it is good to see the acclaimed at least, uh, you know, Getting prominent TV time again, I guess. But I, I honestly, I'm going to be real. I feel like the acclaimed have ran their course as an act. You know what I'm saying? And, and most especially with Daddy Ass in tow with them as a tandem. I think this act has ran its course a long time ago. I feel like the acclaimed should have actually split already. And Max Caster should be a heel. And Anthony Bowen should be a, a baby face. And they should have a big feud. Um, and they could have had a big blow-off singles match at All-In. You know what I mean? But it, it is what it is. That's just me. That's just me. Um, MJF, of course, defeats Adam Cole and retains the AEW title. I predicted this. Right call, of course. Nobody's taking the strap off MJF till 2024. And this is the match of the year, in my opinion. And I'm going to tell you why. So it seems to me that in today's wrestling fans, they, they think like a match of the year candidate is all about the moves and the high spots and, and all that, you know, all that jazz. But to me, a good match goes beyond just the moves. It's the psychology. It's the storytelling. And of course, the atmosphere is a big part of it as well. You can have two dudes doing a bunch of flips and kicks and dives out the ring in a little high school gym somewhere, you know, and have, a have more false finishes than Undertaker Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania. But that don't make a good match to me. If it's in a crummy little high school gym and nobody knows these kids, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they have a handful of fans. That's not a match of the year candidate for me. MJF and Adam Cole, they told a story. They gave you emotion. Like, they worked me. You know, when the ref did that double count after the double clothesline and then the match was deemed a draw, they worked me because I legitimately thought that's how the show was going to end with another draw. Um, you know what I mean? I thought, oh, my Lord, are they really about to do that in front of 80 plus thousand people? They're going to have this match end in a draw like that. And then when MJF, you know, Adam Cole said five more minutes like he did in their previous match. MJF says no. He says five minutes isn't enough. And he stands up and he says we ain't going anywhere until we get a winner in fucking Wembley. And that was uh, one of the most epic moments in, in any match I've ever seen. Certainly by AEW. You know what I mean? Like WWE... The one that comes close to that in WWE for me is like when uh, Shawn Michaels and Ric Flair were having their match at WrestleMania 24, was it? And, uh, or 23. Um, and, you know, 
Shawn Michaels before he hit that super kick saying, I'm sorry, I love you. The nails him, pins him, and Ric Flair's crying and shit. That you know, that's that's that kind of storytelling that I crave from a wrestling match. It's stuff like that. You know? And and to me, MJF and Adam Cole was kind of sort of comparable to that. In in the aspect of it being cinema. You know what I mean? Not just two dudes doing a bunch of athletic shit, you know, to get wows from the crowd. You know, they're actually really working you and giving you, putting emotion into you, making you feel something. Like, what? Like, come on, man. Like, me, bro, I was I was uh, on edge. Like, when the, the ref counted and it was deemed a draw, I, I really, I legitimately, they worked me because I legitimately thought... That that's how they were gonna end the show with it being a draw, and I'm like, oh, you know why? Because they're going to all out in Chicago, so that's where they're gonna have the definitive winner then at the show in Chicago. But that's fucked up for all these fans here, eighty thousand plus, you know. But of course, you know they weren't gonna end it like that. MJF, you know, continued the match, won via roll up, and the story continues. They hug it out. The pyro goes off. The you know the confetti and. Everybody goes home happy. That's cinema. That's professional wrestling. And to me, that's match of the year. You could, you could say that Brian Danielson and MJF, their Iron Man match was match of the year. You could say that. I mean, I, I wouldn't argue that either, you know, if they made that match of the year. But to me, this, this match here had more emotion. It had more story going into it. Because, yes, Brian Danielson and MJF had you on the tip of your toes, but... There wasn't a whole lot of story in that, though, beyond just, oh, you know, MJF wants to prove himself to Brian and blah, blah, blah. Like with, with, with MJF and Cole, there's a, a real sentimental value to this. You know what I'm saying? That no other match prior has given you. Um, not that I can recall. And certainly not in front of 80,000 plus fans in attendance. So, of course, to me, this is automatically match of the year. I mean, certainly for AEW. You know what I mean? If you want to separate them, like WWE has their own individual matches and moments of the year. And AEW has their own. For me, this would be AEW's um, match of the year, man. This uh, great show overall. Um I, 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 the main event mainly is what did it. You know, AEW to me seems to have a history of that where they like have really poor buildup to a pay per view. But then when you actually watch the pay per view, I mean, there's like a lot of fluff, of course, a lot of multi man matches, but they're all workhorses, you know, because they're doing all this athletic shit and flips and flying everywhere to make up for it, you know. But there's always like at least one or two or even three like great matches that actually do that actually did have somewhat of a build up and some kind of theme to them, some kind of story, some kind of edge, you know, that grabs you and captivates you. That's been a theme for AEW and, and All In is no different. I mean, to be honest, the build to this was abysmal. It was abysmal. Uh, I mean, really, the only match that was built was the main event with Adam Cole and MJF because that's a long-term story that's been going on and, and is going to continue to go on um, for some time. Um, obviously, you know, Cole and Max, they're tied together now via the Ring of Honor tag straps. I, I don't think anybody cares about Ring of Honor, but it's just they're using it as a as a plot device, and I get that. But, yeah, I mean, I mean for me, besides that match... Um, Nothing else at all in stood out to me like a match that I that was musty. Oh, FTR in the Bucks, yeah, FTR in the Bucks. I forgot about that. FTR in the Bucks because that was a real pick'em match. I was surprised that FTR won the match, even though I picked them to win, and and I picked them to win not because I thought they were gonna win, but because I was rooting for them to win because I wanted them to win, and I was surprised that they did. Um, Sting and Darby, it's always good to see them. And, you know, Sting is uh, winding down. He's about to get ready to hang him up soon. And speaking of winding down, also, um, last, uh, last Saturday on Collision, uh, Brian Danielson announced that this is going to be his final year, it looks like. You know, next year his daughter turns seven, and he wants to be home full-time for his daughter. And that's 
100% understandable and commendable. You know what I mean? Um, that's what's up. That's what it do. So big props to Brian. And he seems to be um, anchoring uh, Collision, man. You know what I mean? He seems to be the captain of the ship there. Uh, now that Punk is gone. And um, hopefully Collision survives. I, they've been getting very bad ratings, I heard. Um, I haven't been like paying too much attention to the ratings but i've just been reading like you know how you get those those notifications like on twitter or on google news you know from your interest though like you know i i get all these these like advertisements for articles where it, the title is like oh collision dips to like three hundred thousand, and they're already down in like the two to three hundred k's so that's crazy <clears throat> excuse me that's crazy um you know, collision is really is becoming like rampage. But on Saturdays, I mean, that was a death day to begin with, man. That's a death. That's a death time slot. Uh, a Saturday night. You know, I mean that that could work for pay per views when you're doing them once in a while. You know, once every two months or a month. You know, but every single Saturday, a show is not gonna work because Saturday is a day for people to to do shit. You know, and to actually have fun. Not everybody is just at home all day every day glued to the tv i mean and if they are they're not all not everyone's just watching wrestling you know we have other interests you know what i mean um so we'll see what happens with collision man um and all in like i said um a, a thumb up show a thumb up not a two thumbs up a one thumb up we'll put it like that it's, it's you know it just the build wasn't good it only had like two three matches that i was in just just two matches really the tag match and of course Adam Cole and MJF, the main event. And All Out popped off. And I and that one I didn't watch, guys. That's why I'm not talking about that one. That one I didn't watch because I spent money on All In. I spent $50. And incidentally, um, stupid-ass Bleacher Report, I actually missed the first match, CM Punk and Samoa Joe. I missed it because I could not get Bleacher Report to work on my fucking TV. Like, I ordered it through my phone and I tried to cast it to my 75-inch TV, and it wouldn't work. It would not work. Um, and I don't know how I ended up... I don't even remember how I ended up getting it to work, but it wouldn't work. So I missed the whole first match. I had to illegally watch it, <laughs> the first match. So all the, all the, the, you know, the assholes that be saying, oh, you, you cheap bastards, like, pay for the pay-per-views. Well, yeah, I did pay for it, and I still had to illegally stream the first match because AEW's dumbass Bleacher Report partnership is not working, not working very well. The, the, the Bleacher Report app is garbage, um, and I think we can all agree on that. That's, that's probably the one thing all AEW fans could agree on is that Bleacher Report is a terrible pay-per-view service provider for AEW. They need to get rid of them. They need to make I, I, they have the fight app, but for some reason that's exclusive to just international markets like the UK and Germany and wherever else, all international. And for the United States, we're using Bleacher Report, which is bullshit, complete bullshit. You know, because I mean, I mean, unless you have cable, you know, you watch the shit on, you know, um, traditional pay-per-view on cable. But nobody fuck. Well, I don't. That's for sure. And I know a lot of people don't anymore. Before I get out of here, guys, I'm going to revive talking boxing because uh, Canelo having his big fight coming up September 30th at the end of the month against Jermel Charlo. Um, and this is this is going to be I mean. It's going to be an interesting fight, but I mean, it's not, um, it's not going to be a difficult fight to predict. Canelo's going to win this fight. Charlo's moving up like two weight classes to fight Canelo. Um, and they're both champions in four different divisions. Incidentally, I believe Charlo is like, he's getting stripped of one of his titles though, for avoiding his mandatory, um, Tim Sue or something like that. So he's going to be stripped of the title, and Tim Sue is going to hold on to it. Uh, WBO championship belt. I, I don't remember the weight class. I think at 154 or something like that. Incidentally, Jermel Charlo moving up to 168 to fight Canelo, which is ridiculous. I mean, Char Charlo's a big dude. He's a big dude, but it's still it's, it's a tough... You're treading water when you're moving up weight to fight, especially someone... Like Canelo, who is hailed as 
you know, one of the best pound for pound fighters in the world and has been the face of boxing for quite some time now. So it's going to be an interesting fight, though. I think Charlo, if I'm not, I could be mistaken. I could be mistaken, but I think Charlo is one of those cats that people say uh, <laughs> that Canelo's been ducking. You know, who is it? They they say he's been ducking Charlo and uh, uh, what's that other dude? The dude that crashed his press conference one time. <laughs> And Canelo was like, Canelo was like, shut the fuck up, man. Get the fuck out of here. You want payday? He want payday? I know that. <laughs> Demetrius. <coughs> Demetrius Andrade. <laughs> or, or, or Demetrius Andrade, as uh, the commentators call him. Um, yeah, um, yeah, Canelo's been ducking all those cats, right? Charlo and Andre. Never mind the fact that Canelo moved up to fucking light heavyweight to fight one of the most dangerous fighters on the planet, Dimitri Bivol, who is more skilled and more dangerous than all of those other cats combined that Canelo's supposedly been ducking. Um, but anyway, anyway, I, I digress. Um, so it's, it's going to be interesting. And um, as soon as... Uh, Canelo disposes of Charlo, then the question becomes, now what? Where do we go from here? What's next for Canelo? Obviously, he, he really wants that Bivol rematch, which I think is not a good matchup for him. And if he can't see that even now, even still, um, the dude is just stubborn, man. Of course, now uh, there's rumors emerging that Terrence Bud Crawford is uh, could be a potential opponent for Canelo at some point. Um, assuming he gets past Charlo, he's gonna get past Charlo. Um, but uh, you know, assuming he beats Charlo um, and Terrence Bud Crawford, I, I suppose has one more fight. Uh, he he absolutely beat the brakes off of um, Errol Spence. And I did not see that coming. I, I had a feeling that Terrence Crawford... I mean, it was a pick em fight for me. Um, I know it was kind of split. Um, but I, I didn't think it was going to be that lopsided of a fight. I thought Errol Spence would put up a much better... Uh, uh, much better... Be more competitive, man. I thought, he'd put up, I thought he would put up a tougher fight. And um, it was lopsided as hell, man. That, that fight looked like... Uh, like Manny Pacquiao and Eric Morales, three. <laughs> like, it was just like, what happened, bro? Que paso? <laughs> Damn. That was madness. But, hey, man, you know, Errol Spence, this dude uh, had a, a he, sh he should be dead. <laughs> no, I mean, let me, I should, let me, let me explain myself. He should be dead because, um. You know, he had a crazy car accident just a few years ago, um, and, and there was footage of it. There was, like, security cam footage of it, I think. Or I don't know if there was security cam footage or if I'm, I'm referring to the pictures i seen of his car. I think it was a Lambo. And, um, bro, Errol Spence should be dead. He should be dead after that car wreck. The fact that he's even alive and let alone still fighting, still boxing, that is mind-blowing. Like, mind-blowing, bro. I mean, Terrence Crawford had... He, bro, Terrence Crawford got in a worse car accident than Paul Walker got into in the, in the accident that, that killed him all those years ago, bro. I, I'm sorry. I, I don't... I, you know, I'm not trying to be uh, insensitive here. I'm, ju I'm just saying the magnitude of the car wreck that Errol Spence was in. He should be dead. He should be 100% dead. I don't even know how he survived that. So, you know, I'm not trying to make excuses, but, you know, you could, you could say that, I mean, come on, man. How is this dude even still fighting after that car accident? You know what I mean? Um, so it's, it's one of those type of deals that maybe he's just not the same anymore. You know, he probably lost a piece of himself in that car wreck. I don't know how he didn't lose his whole damn life <laughs> in that car wreck. So, um, so yeah, man, big ups to Terrence Crawford for getting the job done. And, of course, big ups to, Ter uh, to Errol Spence, man, for, uh, you know, continuing on with his career. And um, 
It remains to be seen what he does. Matter of fact, you know what? Actually, I think Errol Spence uh, enacted his rematch clause, actually. Now that I remember, now that I think about it, yeah. So I, I'm pretty sure Errol Spence and Terrence Crawford are actually going to have a part two. So after Canelo disposes of Jermel Charlo, uh, he'll probably have another like another stay busy bout maybe you know what i mean before um a mega showdown with terence crawford next year i could see that being the cinco de mayo bout for next year maybe um it remains to be seen of course this is all rumor and speculation um i i think terence crawford is too small to fight canelo bro isn't 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 terence crawford like a welterweight like super welterweight and canelo's like borderline light heavyweight i <laughs> This is like when Mikey Garcia moved up from fucking featherweight <laughs> to fight Errol Spence. You know, I, I don't know, man. Uh, just It seems like Terrence Crawford is too small. But if anybody could jump weight classes and beat Canelo, I, it would be Terrence Crawford. I mean, after his performance against Errol Spence, my goodness, man. I, I, don't, know, uh, I don't know who could beat this cat. I don't know who could beat this cat. I, I still think that... Um, that Gervonta Tang Davis is a bigger star, but that performance against Spence pretty much solidified Terrence Crawford as a, a very special fighter. And you know what, man? A, a fight between Terrence Crawford and, um, and Gervonta Tank Davis, bro. Bro. That's, that's, see, that's the, that's the fight they should be pushing for. More so than a Canelo fight. I, I think a, a fight with Canelo is a bad move for Terrence Crawford, to be honest. Um, but that's just me. That's just me. I, if anybody could, like I said, if anybody could move up weight and beat Canelo, it's Terrence Crawford, man. And, and Canelo's not, not even in his prime anymore, bro. Honestly, I, I said it on Reddit. I feel like, like Canelo peaked in 2021. Because to me, he has not looked the same since 2021 i think the last time canelo looked like canelo was in his fight with uh what's his name um that white dude who's married to the black boxing reporter girl um what's his name man he's a good fighter too he got his ass whooped by uh by david benavides david benavides um he was hugging him all night and shit i forgot his name but that's the last time. <laughs> that's the last time that Canelo actually looked like Canelo. Like he peaked in that fight right there when Canelo fought that that one white dude. Um, <laughs> and I carry. Hold on a second. Let me pass. Okay, Caleb Plant, man. <coughs> Caleb Plant. That's the last time um, that Canelo looked like a beast to me is when he fought Caleb Plant. Ever since that fight. Um, Canelo hasn't looked the same, man. He hasn't looked the same. I feel like he bit off way more than he could chew when he fought Dimitri Bivol. You know, um, that was that was pretty much uh, the beginning of, you know, Canelo's decline. I think, honest, me personally, because him beating um, who who a John Ryder, whoever it was in Guadalajara, and. Beating Gennady Golovkin when that fool looked like a senior citizen out there, man. He looked like he shouldn't be boxing anymore at that point. And then when, you know, when Canelo disposes of Jermel Charlo coming up, like those those victories mean nothing. They mean nothing, bro. Nothing. Um, I don't know. It, it, in my opinion. But yeah, Canelo peaked in 2021. That's all, the, um, that's all I'm trying to say. So, um, you know, maybe, maybe Crawford could do it. I don't really think so, though. I think that's the weight jump is a little too much, a little too unrealistic. Um, but anyway, guys, only time will tell. That's going to do it for the highlight reel. Thank you very much for tuning in. I want to apologize, guys, for uh, um, constantly sniffling and, and stuff in my, my videos. Uh, I have a breathing issue in my nose, which I'm sure you guys could tell. Uh, matter of fact, before I start recording, I have to like use a nasal spray in my nose every time. And I, I mean, not just for this podcast, but just in my daily life, I need it. Um, I need to see a doctor for that. Actually, that's been an issue for me for 
for a few years now, actually. And I just, I never uh, sought out medical attention for it. Um, just because I'm assuming that it's just allergies, but I wasn't like that when I was a kid, when I was younger. So I don't know what it is. I got to see a doctor. But yeah, I just want to apologize for uh, the audio quality, especially in the last episode. Really kind of cringe for me to listen to it. I'm just constantly going, <laughs> you know, like sniffling and shit. And <laughs> I have like a breathing issue. I don't know, out my nose. So yeah i just want to apologize for that thank you guys for sticking with me man um this podcast is available on apple Podcasts, on spotify um you can follow me on twitter instagram at lalo underscore thr that's at l a l o underscore t h r no hollywood reporter this is the highlight reel daddy where we do it big don't forget to wash your hands and don't forget to wash your ass please tip your Lyft drivers, and as I always say, live life on cruise control, because sometimes you get a little bit farther when you take it slow. Mouch.